We are wrapping up this uh, all-in, uh, with an all-in Sunday, this series we've been doing called Wisdom of the Ages, looking at all the different generations across our church. Every one of us, you know, uh, we come from a particular kind of time, point, moment in history that's shaped us and who we are. But the cool thing about us here today is that we are one kind of tribe together, one family together that we, as we just were talking about, we, we come around the name of Jesus and he turns us into one family together. And that is just a, a pretty cool thing. So we got people in here from, from, from young to old, and we all are part of this new one tribe. In fact, I want to just read for you. Uh, this is, we sometimes call this our story of who we are at, at True North. And this is the story of kind of who we are. Uh, out of all the different cultures and generations, places we've come from, we've come together to be one tribe of people. And this is how we kind of describe who we are. At the edge of the Indian Ocean, in an isolated continent, there is a generous and courageous people, a tribe of believers who are on a journey to passionately pursue the presence of God. In this place called True North, this band of believers gathers around the fire to creatively share real stories that awaken wanderers and allow them to belong. In just a little kind of nutshell, that's who we are. If you're brand new here today, our hope is that you'll get a taste of what this tribe of people is all about. And I want to talk about our tribe today. I want to talk about the fam today. Let me hear you say the fam. Let me hear you say fam jam. Who learned some words that they've enjoyed out of this series, you know, and just kind of drop it in sentences? Can I tell you something? This is who we desire to be as a, as a, a church. There's lots of things we can think that means. Is it something I go to on a Sunday or an event? I'm, I'm there. It's, it's meant to be a tribe of people who've come together. It's a family. It's the fam. And I want to talk today about the fam. You see, the thing about um, generations, we've looked at all these generations. We all come from different generations. Here's a quick little rundown for you, just to remind you. Uh, and we'll, we'll, do, we'll get maybe a little shout. So the generation starts with the builders in, in 1925. We have that one. 1925. I want you to think about this for a moment. We're going to go through all the generations quite quickly here. But the unique thing about generations, if you didn't kind of pick up on it through the series, what forms a generation is that it's kind of the nature of the world that you grew up in your formative years. And there were certain different things that have been different. Do you know up until about the year 1900, throughout human history, uh, the human knowledge, the stuff we knew, doubled about every 100 years. And it progressively gets faster and faster and faster until today, human knowledge, does anybody know? I'll ask you lots of quiz questions. We'll keep this interactive. Anybody know how fast human knowledge tends to double today? 12 months, 13 months. Think about this for a moment, because this is the challenge of generations at times. Up until the year 1900, all the knowledge, it take about every hundred years, knowledge would double, things would shift, technology might move a little bit. But by and large, for most of human history, things moved fairly slowly. Starting, it accelerates, and now about every 12 months, all that knowledge that's exponentially been growing doubles again. That's why the world seems to be changing so fast. Have you noticed that? What that means is that the nature of generations, why this whole idea of kind of seeing groups of people uh, kind of emerged in recent times, is because up until, you know, 75, 80 years ago, people grew up in the same world. It didn't change that fast. Every once in a while, you'd get a major shift. 
Now it changes every 15 years. Think about this. We have five groups of people in this room. The first group is the builders. Let's go back to that. 1920. Just think about this. One of the biggest things about how we relate as people is how we communicate, right? And think about some of the defining technology of communication. Does anybody know what this is these people are gathered around? Does anybody know what that is there? The wireless radio. Who had one? Anybody here have one of those or gathered around? Give a, put your hands up. Now, all the builders, stand up real quick if you're a builder generation. Stand up. 1925, or before up to 45. And I love that, you know, our intuitive response is to go, you know what, let's just clap and celebrate. It's an amazing generation of people. And they have witnessed everything we'll see. Just imagine this. That generation, everything else we've looked at through this entire series, every technology shift, every major cultural event, they've lived through all of them in their lifetime. Imagine that. Incredible. Now, the, the, so they said, but the wireless technology is kind of the iconic technology of their growing up formative years. Then you go on to the boomers. You know, when you think about the boomers, now we go from wireless to the television. And check out a classic boomer right there. Anybody know who that is for a bonus, uh, bonus point? Oh, we're so close. I heard McFly, but not Marty. <laughs> That's George McFly. Come on, my Gen X people were the greatest generation ever. Should have known that. That's our movie. Anyway, now, but the TV comes in. Think about this. How much a living room started to shift when a television went into it. And how communication starts to shift. You know, and then the transistor radio comes in. Goes from the wireless transistor. That's what allowed music to start to disseminate. Steve Jobs, an iconic baby boomer himself who created Apple and iPods and so many of the products we love, talks about how that transistor radio was one of the defining technologies of his childhood because suddenly he could access all this different music. It's what made the Beatles and the Rolling Stones able to be accessed different places. Steve Jobs said it opened up the world to him. And then you go from that, you know, technology is continuing to form and, and Generation X grows up in this era of the VCR, you know. Now you don't just watch TV when it's on. You can record it on your very own cassette and watch it whenever you want to watch it. Unless your sister dubbed over Empire Strikes Back. I'm still feeling the pain, Pastor Phil. So, you know, this is these shifts are coming. The Walkman. Now music, you can choose what you want to listen to and, and listen to it when you want to and carry it with you. But, you know, the different technologies that influence communication, they keep on going and keep on evolving. And, and you get to the millennial or Gen Y, the next generation, and, and things are starting to just almost increase that speed of change. Now forget about having a, a tape you got to flip over. Who remembers having to flip tapes over? If you were on a road trip, you had to flip that tape over. Or maybe when it was getting real advanced, you got some CDs and had to carry around like 50 of them in a book. You know, but thankfully Steve Jobs comes along in the iPod. You can carry 2,000 songs in your pocket was its whole tagline. And now you've got SMS, communication starting to change. You can send these messages. And you can, you can write from phone to phone on a sweet piece of, you know, device like this Nokia. You know, dialing in progress. This generation grows up with the Internet. You know, I remember going on a field trip in high school, a school excursion to visit the Internet. <laughs> I was taking a, a Russian class. And we were learning Russian. Anybody speak Russian? Gavrit Poruski? Anybody? You know, they, hey, up in the back. Da, yeah, hey, that away. 
I don't remember a lot, but my Russian teacher, who was uh, herself Ukrainian-Russian, she said, just, if you ever find yourself in Russia, so you can take this home for free, she said, the one thing you got to remember is to say, Yanis Nayu, Yanis Nayu. Do you know what that means? She said it means, I know nothing. And if you are ever in Russia, just say, Yanis Nayu, Yanis Nayu. I know nothing. So that's uh, a little help for you today. But we went there because we were going to talk to Russian students through the internet at this local community college. Think about how communication has changed. I could now, you go from the millennials now in the world, it grows up and it's evolving. We're all experiencing this. But now in Gen Z, take a field trip to go talk to people in Russia. Are you kidding me? I can do that face-to-face on an iPad. All these technologies, social media, all the different experiences, even video games become a platform for communication in today's world. Now just think about this. And go back to 1925 photo and think about this photo that you see of Gen Z. And think about this photo as you think about what it was like in the, growing up in the 30s and 40s. Do we have that photo of the, of the wireless again? Just think about this reality of how rapidly the world has changed. And the reality is the reason we are all called as, as to be part of one tribe now, to be part of Jesus' tribe. And, and here in, in, in True North, we're part of this tribe. But the challenge is we've all grown up in very different worlds and experienced very different things. And so the challenge that I want to speak to today is how do we relate well together as one tribe? Because we all come from the different generations and it's been really, really fun, hasn't it, to celebrate all these different eras that we've grown up in and all the beauty and the good things of of what they've brought into our lives. But if we're honest, Sometimes it can be challenging, and our world's experiencing this challenge. But it can be challenging to go, how do we relate to one another across such vastly different uh, experiences of life, across these generations? And I want to speak to that idea today. Why is it difficult, and how do we do this well? So that as a church, as a tribe of believers in Christ, we can be an experience in this world of what it looks like to actually do this well, because when we relate well across the generations, it can feel like heaven on earth. And we want to be a taste of that in this world. But here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at first one obstacle that makes it hard, and then two dynamics that when we embrace them from the youngest to the oldest, it allows us to be the kind of tribe that Jesus imagined. Did anybody enjoy the, uh, the What's On Family edition? You know, there's some great classic kind of realities. To be a family is not an easy thing, is it? You know, and so it is a beautiful thing. We're called to be the family of God and the fam and the tribe, but it's not always easy. And here I want to give us one of the obstacles that we sometimes experience to being one family. It comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom. Who wants some wisdom? You know, the the book of Ecclesiastes is this teacher, and he's sharing wisdom on all these things about life. And he's sharing uh, wisdom. They kind of come out in these phrases, and there's this great uh, phrase. I I I heard these verses uh, several weeks, maybe a month or two ago, and they just keep playing in my head, especially as we've done this series, and I think about it. He asked this question. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise 
to ask such questions. Whoa, whoa. Who wants some wisdom? Do not say. Listen to what the the teacher of Ecclesiastes would say. Do not say. Why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such questions. Let me hear you say, it's not wise. You know, the, this question, do not say, why were the old days better than these? Do you know how, how many people know it is easy to kind of ask the question, why can't it be like the good old days? In a world that changes a lot, and as you look backwards in time, it's easy to go, where are the good old days? Why isn't today as good as it was? Do you know what this verse I love about it is? It speaks to this kind of inbuilt human dynamic that wants to look backwards at the past, often through rose-colored question, glasses, wondering why can't today be like it was? Why, why, where, the old days were better than this, weren't they? But the teacher says, it's not wise to ask that question. You know, John said earlier, if you hear before the show, he said out loud that I'm stuck in the 90s. And um, I don't know if you heard that, but I was deeply offended. He said, I'm stuck in the music. I'm stuck. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't. He said that, but I wasn't offended because he knows. You know what? I, I was born in 1978, so I'm a, I'm a Gen X. I'm right on the bridge. I'm actually part of a micro generation they call the Xennials, which is uh, people who are born between the release of Star Wars A New Hope and Star Wars Return of the Jedi. And so they're like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But um, I'm, a, I'm a Gen X, and so I, I, you know what? I grew up, I was... 13, I was 12 years old in 1990, 13 to 1991. And so I grew up in the 90s from like 12 to 22. And how many people know the music that you really get to your heart is the stuff that was in that era of life, wasn't it? It's your teenage years. This is what the formative years are like. And when you hear the music, it takes you back. I went to a concert about two years ago and the concert was called, I felt like they put it together just for me. It was called, I Love the 90s. It was headlined by none other than the greatest of all musicians, Vanilla Ice. And um, I know, let's hear it. Come on, my Gen X people. Vanilla Ice headlining. It had Coolio, Young MC, anyway. And so I went with my friend Gab, and we went to the concert. I was like this far from Vanilla Ice, like, you know, third row back there. And I'm like, there's Vanilla Ice. And he's singing the classics, literally, which is two songs that he had. And he sang those two songs for about 45 minutes. And I would have been happy if it went on for an hour and a half. And, um, and, and so many times, and what he would do, he would just talk in on the mic, and he was walking around. And more than once, uh, and we wrote it down just to remember from the night, he said these words. He's like, the 90s are the last great decade forever. Now put your hands together if you know that's true. <laughs> yeah, come on. I was really kind of hoping we'd have a little more of that. But that's all right. That's where it's at. And I got to tell you something. On the night, I loved it and I enjoyed it. It was amazing. And I still, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's tr it, Vanilla, I said it. I don't know where else to go but to say it sounded like truth to me. But, you know, this is the reality. It's always easy to think, no, no, that was the greatest. And I could understand as well why Vanilla maybe wanted to stay in the 90s. Like, I get that. But do you know that there is something in all our hearts that just wants to stay sometimes in the past and that kind of thinks that was surely better than, than today, but it's not wise to ask such questions. 
Do you know when, um, when my son was getting a little bit older, uh, when he was, I don't know, maybe he's around five or something, he started to enjoy uh, this group of people. It's a particular team. Do we have a photo? No, no, actually not this. We're going to go straight to a, a group of green guys. These guys. Hey, who knows these guys? And who knows that this is what they look like? This is what they're supposed to look like, isn't it? Now, here was the challenge. Go back to the newer version. My son dropped in on the Teenage Mutant Turtles looking like this. And I'm like, look, that's great. But I'm going to tell you something. They're supposed to look like this. And so we went back to that. And I kept trying to show him to him. And I'm like, let's just, no, watch this, watch this. And he'd watch. And he's like, Dad, I don't like them. <laughs> I like these guys. You know, that's who I like. And, and he started to call when he was younger. He called these guys. Go back to the, the classics. He said, those are the round ones. They're yours. They're not my people. <laughs> you know, that's basically what he's saying. He goes, I like the straight ones. And I was like, I just don't understand how you could like these guys better. And then eventually I had to sort of objectively look and go, really, by any objective measure, this is far better looking than what the old one was. Now, here's my point. One of the easiest things is always to look back at what we knew and to value, to value what we grew up with, to value what we knew in the past. We all have a tendency, this is what I think the Ecclesiastes teacher is getting at, we all have a tendency to value our own generation and our own experiences. And there is nothing wrong with valuing those things. But sometimes that can become the greatest obstacle to being a part of what God wants to do now and what he wants to do across all his people and all the generations. Now here's the, how many people know, let's just be, let, give me a clap if you know it's easier to value your own generation. Like give me a clap, just be honest, like let it be a, like it's just easier. And there is nothing wrong with that. Do you know one of the reasons we've been spending time going back through the music and the experiences and the technologies and the, I mean, who loved having like overhead projectors again, you know, like one of the reasons we've gone back through this and things like hymn books and different experiences, because all those things are valuable and have been, and we want to enjoy that reality, but our diet, we never want to let those things become an obstacle to what God is doing now. Here's the dynamic we're going to look at. So I said, how many obstacles today? How many obstacles? One. How many obstacles? One. How many dynamics? Two. All right, let's try again. So I know up in the top, I don't know if the microphone's getting that far. How many obstacles we got today? How many dynamics are we about to look at? Two. That's it. Come on. Up in the top. So... Our obstacles, we can sometimes value our own. Here's the dynamic. If we're going to be a family, if we're going to be a fam jam, let me hear you say fam jam. If we're going to operate like that, how do we do this? The great thing is we've got wisdom from the scriptures. In the book of Ephesians, Paul, he's writing a letter to a church, and he's going to speak to the family dynamic. And he says, this is how it should work in a family. And he's talking about our home families. The, their families may have looked different than ours and ours from one another, but this is a dynamic that is how families are meant to work. And he says, this is how we, it's supposed to work in the family. And he starts with how the younger should relate to the older. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. 
He says, honor. Let me hear you say honor. Now, people, I'm going to keep you here for two hours if you can't speak up. I got to know you're with me. Let me hear you say honor. honor. Honor your father and mother. He's speaking to children here, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honor your father and mother. Do you know this word honor? I think this is what's meant to define, I believe as well in the family of God, how the younger relates to the older. Wouldn't it be great if, if those of us who were younger, our inbuilt response towards anyone who was older was always to honor. Now here's what honor means. Honor means to attach value to something. When the Bible speaks of honor, it speaks of attaching value. And there should be, in the, in the family of God, an inbuilt response that looks at anyone who is older and says, the way I should relate to you is by attaching value to you. That I should honor you. I should appreciate your life and your experiences and your wisdom. I should put myself in a position where I can actually, uh, I see you as someone both that I can learn from and someone who I can serve. I should honor anyone who is older. I love that the inbuilt response when we have our oldest generation, the builders stand up, it is to clap because there's something within us that just knows you have lived a life and anyone who has gone through the, a lifetime to reach to that point and been so blessed to have that many years in their life is worthy of honor. And they're worthy of being valued. Do you know in our, our church, we should always look, how can we honor those who are older? And I believe it shouldn't be as well. It's not meant to be only uh, those who are the oldest in the family, though they should be honored perhaps most of all. But anytime you meet someone who is older than you to think, how do I honor this person? If they're, uh, you know, five years older, 10 years older, 15 years, if you're, a, if you're 10 years old and you're Encompass Kids and you've got a 15-year-old who's your, you know, kind of small group leader, your response should be to value them. They're serving you. They're putting their time into your life. And so be kind to them and listen to them and learn from them and honor them. And when you meet someone who's older yet and older yet, we honor. And when you're in line to get a, a biscuit after a service at the cafe and you see someone who is older than you, maybe someone from the builders who are the greatest generation, you know, amen. The, uh, you know, your response should be, you know what, let me buy your coffee and biscuit for you. How do I just value you and show appreciation? Because without you, our world does not exist. That's what honor is all about. Can we give it up for honor? <laughs> honor. And then in Ephesians, we look at the second dynamic. So what's our first dynamic? And our second dynamic comes out in these words, and as the verses go on, verse, verse 4. Now it speaks to the older, to the younger. It says, parents, do not exasperate your children. Do not force them to watch cartoons they don't want to watch. Do not force your music down their throats. Do not tell them it's always got to be like this. Instead, bring them up. Let me hear you say, bring them up. Bring them up, bring them up in the training in the instruction 
of the Lord. And this is the picture. Bring them up in the training, in the instruction of the Lord. You know, I love this picture of parents to children, the older to the younger. That the, the second dynamic that should characterize how we relate across the family is the older investing in the younger. That the older says, I will make it my priority to invest in bringing you up to know the Lord. That there's nothing greater every one of us can do who has walked with the Lord for any amount of time than to invest ourselves in leading those younger than us to likewise know the instruction and training and what it is to walk with the Lord. Because we believe there's nothing greater a person can know in this world. So our second dynamic is investing. Let me hear you say investing. Investing. Do you know, uh, the, the thing about investing is it, it takes a choice to say that now we honor always the past and we honor the reality as well that says, you know what? Uh, we would never sing reckless love if we never sang holy, holy, holy. We honor the reality that through the generations as time goes on, we all reap the benefits of that which has come before. And so we honor it and we value it. But we are called to then as those who are older as we go through life to commit ourselves to investing in the younger. I want to give you a real quick snapshot of what investing can look like. Investing is in, in, in actually bringing people up in the Lord. This is something that, again, I think is not meant to, you know, just apply some times and places, but any one of us, whatever generation you're in, if you are a teenager today, you can invest in a kid. If you are in your 20s, you can invest in a teen. If you are in your 80s, you can invest in a kid who's five. It doesn't matter what those gaps are. But when you're older, you can invest in the younger. And this is what investing is all about. Investing is all about deposits over time. You know, this is part of our philosophy, even in our, our Compass Kids. The orange idea is this, that when you invest small deposits over a long period of time, that's where you get results. You know, if you want to invest your money well, you don't kind of go, I'm going to put a bunch of money in once, forget about it, and then see what happens and hope I get rich quick. That doesn't work, does it? Good investing is small deposits over time. And if you want to invest in a younger generation, you can't kind of rock up one day and speak some, hey, let me give you my opinion. No, you invest your time over time. You show up in their life over time. You invest in words that speak life and encouragement over time. Not one time, over time. You invest love over time. That's patience and willing to put up with things when they're messy and not going well. You invest that love and grace and I'm going to give you space, you know, to work your way through this, but I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep investing time, keep investing words, keep investing love. And when we do that over time, we see how we can actually raise another generation up to walk in the knowledge and the instruction of the Lord. What could be greater? Do you know what I think is so beautiful about these two dynamics? And now let me just see, because I, I hope these can be dynamics that characterize our church. What's our first dynamic? And what's our second dynamic? Invest. We want to be a place where we honor those who are older and we invest in those who are younger. And when we do that, I mean that, the potential of that. Now, because think about this reality. I want to show you, here's a, a toy that many of us will relate to. Here it is in the early days. Who knows Lego? And who's enjoyed Lego? 
You know, this is from the early days of Lego in, a, in the 1950s and 60s. I think it was in the 50s it first came to Australia. Do you know when they were first trying to bring Lego here, it was said it'll never work here because Aussie kids play outdoors too much and so you shouldn't bother trying. But over time, Lego uh, becomes kind of a staple, the most popular toy in Australia today. And it starts like this, but now who knows what this photo is? Anybody see this? What's that from? Does anybody know? Give me a shout. That's right. Lego Masters. That is the winning Lego Masters build. And look at that thing. Just built by a couple guys. Now here's what I think is just incredible. Because, and here's what happens when we both honor and then we continue to invest. Think about what's possible. When, when we don't end up valuing our own experience so much that it limits us from what the future could be. And when we, when we instead honor the past and what it's been, and we continue to invest in the future, you know what? God is able to take things, and they actually go forward. And we see things that just probably wouldn't have even seen possible. Imagine you just built that thing in the 19th. It would have been like, what, where did this come from? The colors, the design, the style. But what's possible with every generation only increases. What's possible with every generation only increases. You know, there's a famous quote, Ronald Reagan said it in one way, many people have said it others, but he just put it like this. And every generation goes further than the generation preceding it because it stands on the shoulders of that generation. You will have opportunities beyond anything we've ever known. Just think about that kind of reality and then layer that on who the church is called to be. Every generation has, can go further because we stand on shoulders. And imagine a church where the way it works is always, we honor those whose shoulders we're standing on. And everyone who's got someone on their shoulders is holding their feet and going, man, I'm going to support you and help you go further. Because as we do that, it's worth a clap, isn't it? Imagine that picture. That's what a church that honors and invests looks like. And when we get past kind of thinking it always had to be like those days and we can say, God, what are you doing today? Then we realize something. We are all on a journey together as we pursue the presence of God. And when you have a place where we honor and invest, that begins to feel a little bit like heaven on earth. Can I tell you something? When I look around today, it feels like heaven on earth. You find me somewhere this week, you will see this spread of generations in a room together. And meeting with one another. Love and encourage. You know, we were here yesterday, a bunch of crews setting all this up. Youngest there was probably the baby. And the oldest there was probably a part of our builder's generation. And you show me places where you see in every age in between working together the beauty of the body of Christ and being part of Jesus' tribe is there's just nothing else like it that pulls people together to become family, to become a tribe together from different places and cultures and generations. And yet you get this beautiful picture of this new humanity Jesus says he's creating. And that's what we get a small taste of today. And as we become a place where the way we look at it, this is how we relate as a family. We honor those who are older. We invest in those who are younger. You get a place that feels like heaven on earth. 
You get a place where you start to realize that the best truly is yet to come. You get a place where you realize, like, if we take everything, you know, one of the ways we honor the generations before is we don't take all that legacy they've handed to us and just leave it be. We take it and we invest on it and we keep going forward and realize that, wow, the best days of the church are yet ahead. In fact, it's probably going to be extraordinary if we could imagine who the church is going to continue to be as God does his work through us of bringing heaven to earth. And that's the beauty of the tribe we're called to be. Amen. You know, I'm going to invite the team to come back up. And as they come back up, I'm going to invite you to stand. And I want to pray for us today. And I'm going to pray in a moment. We're going to sing a song together. This song, No Other Name. This song that reminds us that, you know, the greatest of all names is the name of Jesus. That that is what pulls us together. That is what makes us a family. And within this family, we learn how to relate, but it's all about him. And I want to just pray for us today, and then we're going to sing this song. And we're just going to declare together that it is all about his name. But I want to pray today. I want to pray that, you know, as we physically get to be together as one body, that God's spirit would come and, and begin a fresh work in us, a fresh work in our hearts, a fresh work in who we are as a tribe, as a group of people. He breathed a fresh sense of honor that every time we see anyone who is older than us, there would be something within us that just longs to say, how can I show honor? And that every time we see someone younger than us, something within us would long to say, how can I be investing in who this person is? And that together we would live out a tribe that feels like heaven on earth. If you want to be part of that, please, I invite you to open your hands. As we say together, a sign of, you know, we want to welcome God's spirit and the work he wants to do. So would you bow with me and open your hands as we just seek to receive what he has. Come Holy Spirit. We welcome you in this moment. We surrender to you in this moment. And we ask in this moment that in your power, you would give us your heart. You would give us the heart of the Father. The heart that honors those who have come before. Lord, would you, pray, would you pour out? Would you pour out onto us a, a spirit, an attitude, a mindset of honor? to honor those who have come before us, however old they may be. May we be people who honor those who are older than us. And Lord, would you pour out within us likewise an attitude, a heart, a mindset, a spirit that looks towards those who are younger and desires to invest. The desires to see how we can be a part of training and raising up the next generation. That, Lord, a new generation would declare your praise. They would write their music and sing their songs and have their experiences. And that, God, as they do that, your kingdom would expand and grow in this world. That heaven would come to earth. Lord, we pray in our midst that your spirit would pour out in such a mighty way. That when people encounter this tribe at True North, they would be awakened to a new way of life and the goodness that is found in Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, when people are with this tribe, they feel like, I don't know, it's just something about those people. 
It feels a bit like heaven on earth. And that's something that is all about the work of your spirit within us. So we open ourselves to it. We say, come Holy Spirit, have your way in us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, who it's all about. Name above every other name. In his name we pray, we ask, we commit ourselves to the task you have for us. In Jesus' name.